Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. Hey again and welcome, and I'm excited you're here. I'm excited you're at home listening. And again, we are, we're jumping right back into our series entitled Jesus. And it's incredible with all these things that are going on right now. It's incredible how we're taking a shift in this series to really see what Jesus does. Again, we started off this series looking a little bit at Jesus' life. Then we talked to some of his teachings, and then we jumped in. And what we're doing now is we're jumping in and we're learning a little bit about what Jesus did. We're looking at some of his miracles, some of the incredible works that Jesus did. And what I want to do right now is I want to jump into to one of his first miracles, one of his first miracles recorded in the book of John, which is in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me. And again, if you're at home and you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app, which is just an incredible resource to take with you wherever you go. And if you look at the book of John, again, it's one of the four Gospels, right? There's four Gospels that start the New Testament. And what they are, they're they're the account of Jesus' life. They're the account of Jesus' life and ministry. And then you, you see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Again, Matthew... Matthew was a follower of Jesus. He was a tax collector. Then you have Mark, who was also an early follower of Christ. Really, he was an an evangelist with the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And if you look at his writings, they're they're short and uh, detailed, but yet still very to the point. And then you have Luke, who's a physician, who his writings are a little bit more detailed and drawn out as well. And then you have John, who was a disciple of Jesus, and his writings are very personal. And in the book of John, he opens up chapter 1, really showing who Jesus is. And then he introduces some of his followers, and then it jumps right into some of the works of Jesus, which we're picking up here, right here in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So let's check this out. John chapter 2, verses 1, it says this, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So just as we're setting the stage here, Jesus and his disciples were all at this wedding, right? His mom was there as well. And it was a wedding that they were actually invited to, right? This is a place where they most likely knew people. People knew him. In fact, in Galilee, Jesus was very, uh, very received well, right? It, people were very receptive to Jesus in this area. And now check out what happens here in verse three. It says, when the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, this is a big deal, right? Here are these people, and they ran out of wine. Now, let me just set the stage here again. This isn't like running out of cake or ice cream at your kid's like, birthday party, right? This is a big deal. This is, this is running out of wine at a party where everybody expects to continue on. And for them, this was a disgrace, right? For them, in the wedding culture of this time period, the celebration was a big deal. In fact, the festivities would last for like a whole entire week. And it would be open to all those invited, but also all those in the entire city, right? And the celebration would continue on. It was this community celebration. And it was expected for the host parents to actually provide enough for all the guests. And not just that, but more than enough for the entire week. And some of you are thinking like, man, I planned a wedding before. Like it was crazy just to do two hours, right? But this is where they are, right? This is where they are. And it's a big deal. In fact, to run short of wine, would be a serious embarrassment for the host parents. To run short of wine would be a serious embarrassment for the newlyweds as well. 
Right? It would shame the family. It would shame the newlyweds and their new start to their life. In fact, if you ran out of wine, you would be a complete outcast. You would be shamed and totally disgraced. In fact, they would have make them shave their heads and wear burlap and beg for mercy, beg for forgiveness from the city leaders if this happened. Right? Think about this. Right? This is an embarrassment. Right? This is a huge disappointment for them. Right? This is a huge setback in their lives. Right? This is something that anybody would fear if they had it with. I think if we look at it, we can only imagine the frantic the, uh, the behind the scenes that's happening here, right? The drama that's happening behind the scenes. The family's reputation was at risk. And if I think about it, we've probably all been to that place before. We've all been to that place where we're on the brink of embarrassment. We've all been to that place where we are ready just to, uh, at the point of, of disappointment. We've all been to that place where we are almost to the point of failure. And think about it. When we get there, what happens? We freeze up with fear, right? It's this place of panic. And to be honest, this is where we are today, right? This is where we are today. This is where we are right in the midst of this week. This entire week has been pretty crazy. The whole reason we're staying home watching church online is because of panic. It's because sometimes there's some people that are filled with fear. I mean, think about it. This coronavirus, this has set into this state of panic. Public events are closing, church closed, their sporting events closed because of it. Schools are closed because of it, right? Don't even look at your retirement, right? Don't even look at the stock market right now. It's plummeting as well. Why? Because of fear, right? Because of a possible setback in our lives. And not only that, we're running out of toilet paper too. I mean, come on, right? Now that may be more relatable to some people. Think about the embarrassment of that, right? Think about the disappointment of that. But the truth is we are. We all have this embarrassment. Right? We all have this disappointment. We all have some of this shame that sometimes we, we live with. We all are on the verge of a setback at some point in our story, at some point in our life. And this is what's going on in this scripture. This is what's about to happen in this wedding place. Right? But here's what's interesting. But Jesus was there. Listen, I don't know about you, but that's a good start to any story. That's a good start to anything that can have a possible setback. But Jesus was there, right? And it says Jesus was invited to the wedding. And not only that, Jesus's mom was there as well. And she knew a little something, something about Jesus. Now, I remember back from the first week of the series, we learned about Jesus as a boy. And we learned how he went in and he went into the temple and he schooled some of these scholars. And then Mary was looking at us and like she pondered these things in her heart. Right? Jesus knew that there's something special about, or Mary knew that there's something special about her boy, Jesus. Now, this is not scriptural, so don't take this, but I'm thinking that maybe Jesus, when he was a little boy, he might have practiced some miracles here and there, right? right? The dog was sick or got, got hit by a cart and his dog and broke his leg, so you're thinking like Jesus might have just healed a dog here and there. Right? Maybe the, the family cat, Jesus helped cast out demons from the cat because we know cats are all possessed, right? Listen, that's funny. You can laugh at home, right? But here's what Jesus, Jesus is probably turning his broccoli into cupcakes, He's doing miracles. Now, again, that's not scriptural. But what is, is that Mary pondered some things that Jesus in his heart. Right? She knew that Jesus was up to something. She knew that Jesus could solve the problem. Right? She knew that he was the one that could fix this issue. So she's the first one to say that they're out of wine. But check this out. Jesus responds this way in verse 4. He says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Now, this may seem a little harsh. In fact, this may even seem a, a little bit disrespectful, but understand it, it, it's not. 
right? Really what it is, it's, it's a response that, that Jesus was distancing himself from the situation. He wasn't disrespecting his mom. He was trying to distance himself from the situation. See, Jesus knew that he had a greater purpose. Right? Jesus knew that his purpose wasn't just to save the wedding host, but it was to save the whole entire world. Right? He knew that his purpose is to live a perfect life, die on the cross, and be risen again. Be risen again to, to break the chains of slavery from all so that we could be connected back to God. But what's amazing is, is he still shows up in this setback. Right? His mom pushes him in that direction, which really begins his ministry in the book of John. So let's keep going. Verse 5 here says, His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Right? Jesus' mother shows this incredible confidence in Jesus. Right? In the midst of this problem, in the midst of this issue going on, right? Jesus' mother shows this incredible confidence in him. And just a side note, I think we can learn. I think we can learn from Mary here. Right? In today's world and everything that's going on, what do we place our confidence in? Do we place our confidence in the grocery stores when we push people around with our carts, trying to fill up our carts with some toilet paper? Right? Do we push our confidence in the stock market? Do we push our confidence in our retirement? Do we put our confidence in, in other things? Or do we put our confidence in our faith in Jesus? The question is, do you live in fear or do you live in faith? And if you look at Jesus' mother, she lived in faith. She knew what Jesus could do. And she, know, she knew that Jesus would show up, right? She knew that Jesus was the remedy for this crisis. And understand this, Jesus is the remedy to our crisis today as well. Let's keep going. Verse 6, as nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Right, so check this out. Here they are. There's six jars, six, six stone jars that were used for ceremonial washing. Right, and this is interesting because here's Jesus, and he has this chance to do this incredible work. Right, he has this chance to, to do a miracle and to save this family. And it starts with purification. Right? It starts with six jars that were used to clean hands. It starts with six jars that were used to ceremonially purify hearts. And what's amazing about this is how much these jars could hold. 20 to 30 gallons each. Right? So really up to 180 gallons. Now if you look at it, some scholars actually say that one cup of water would purify 100 people. Right? So these jars would contain enough to really purify the whole entire world. Right? Some of you are thinking like, dude, where are these jars at? Let's get them for the coronavirus right now, right? But what this is really symbolizing is this. It's symbolizing how Jesus purifies us. It's symbolizing his overwhelming grace that's available through him. And what's amazing and what's interesting about this too is the number. Right? Again, if we remember from last week, we learned that many uh, scholars believe in Jewish culture that seven, the number seven signific signified the uh, really completion, but actually six, six represented incomplete. Six was symbolic for incomplete, meaning Jesus was needed for this. Meaning it needed something else and what it needed, it needed Jesus. And here's what's amazing. As Jesus took them, but then he also used the servants to help as well. He told them to fill the jars to the brim. And again, this is a pretty big task. Right? 180 gallons of water is a lot of work. But check this out. Verse 8, it says this. It says, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. Think about this. Again, this was a risk on the servant's part. 
Right? This passage doesn't really tell us when the water ever turned into wine. Right? It doesn't show them taste testing this first. It just says that they served it. Think about the faith that they had. Right? They filled these jars, and they knew what was in there. For them, what was in there, it was water. Right? To them, it was water. They didn't even really know what was going on. And I can only imagine what's going on in their minds. They're walking to the master thinking like, oh, this is going to be bad. I've got all this stuff. I've got all these things of water and I'm going to take it to him. And let's just hope he, let's hope he's drank too much wine because we're trying to pass this off as wine. This is some pretty scary stuff. And see, the servant had a risk involved as well because the servant played a part in this. It would be very embarrassing as well for the servant if the shortage was made known. But Jesus is bigger than any embarrassment. Jesus is bigger than any scare that we may have. Jesus is bigger than any fear that we may be living out, right? Check this out. In verse 9, it says this, And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Listen, this is who Jesus is. He's a miracle worker. He's our Savior in our life, right? He's our Savior in our life. And what He does sometimes is behind the scenes. If you look at this, Jesus did all this in secret. He worked this first miracle, starting His ministry in the book of John. He did it in secret. He did it behind the scenes. He worked this miracle quietly. In fact, only His mother and the disciples and the servants even knew what He did. In fact, the steward, the steward knew that there was a problem, but he didn't know how it was going to be solved. In fact, the bridegroom, they may not the bride and the groom, they may not have even known that there was a problem, but the, still, the problem was solved. And it was solved in an amazing way. It was solved with some choice wine. It was solved with the best. The best was yet to come. And understand this, this story is not about the wine. The story is about the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. It is all about his glory. It's all about leading to him and believing in what he can do. Believing in only what he can do, no matter what the situation, no matter what the possible outcome could be. Let's check this out. Finish this up in verse 11. It says this, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Listen, if you're at home right now, this is where you can say amen. This is some good stuff. And this is some good stuff. And here's what I want us to walk away with today. Here's what I want us to understand. Our setbacks are a set up for Jesus. And our setbacks are just a set up for Jesus. Our embarrassments are actually just opportunities for Jesus to show how big and how amazing he is. Our disappointments are just an appointment for Jesus to show up and to show off in our lives. Right? They're an opportunity for him to do what only he can do. They're a chance for him to do something awesome in our life. They're a chance for him to turn what was meant for bad and turn it to good. And this is what happened at the wedding, and this is what can happen in our lives as well. Right? Our setbacks are just a set up for Jesus. And the chances are, there's some people watching today, there's some people joining us online right now, that you're in the middle of a setback. Right? In fact, in fact, as a as a nation, in fact, as a community right now, right, we are in the middle of a setback. We're on the verge of something that, that seems like it's disappointing, but understand this, it's just a setup. It's a setup for what God 
can do. It's a setup for us to become the church. It's a setup for us to show who Jesus truly is. See, again, the truth is we all have problems. And we live in a world that's broken. We live in a world that's full of pain. We live in a world that, that's full of imperfect people. In fact, many of us, we are imperfect people as well. Mistakes will be made. Things won't always work out as planned. There's consequences to our mistakes as well. I mean, let's just be honest here. For some of us, for some of us, we're right now, we're watching, we're, we're joining, and, and we have problems. We have disappointments. We have embarrassments. And for some of us, it's finance problems. We're walking into some, a, a crazy territory, and for some of us, we're realizing that, you know what, we didn't set things back. We're looking at this and saying, you know, this, this could be trouble. Right? I'm not ready for another recession. I'm not ready for something else that could happen. And for some of us, we're in debt to our eyeballs because we haven't budgeted, because we haven't planned. For some of us, we're on the brink of something and we've got some setbacks, right? For some of us, it's our marital, it's our marriages. For some of us, we have marital problems. For some of us, this is a struggle. It's hard to communicate with our spouse. It's hard to communicate what we really mean. And for some of us, instead of addressing it, we've been hiding it for so long. And for some of us, other relationship problems, maybe with, with other family members, maybe with extended family, maybe even within the workplace, right? Maybe even with friends. For some of us, we have some employment problems, right? For some of us, we're here and we're watching today and we have, we have some addiction problems. Maybe we find ourselves in a situation from a bad choice, a bad choice whether maybe we made or others around us have made. In fact, maybe we're just wondering how we even got here, right? How do we get in the midst of this problem? But here's what I want us to understand. If we have problems, we're a prime candidate for Jesus to do a miracle in our life. And if we have some problems, if we're facing a hard, if we're facing some hard times, guess what? We're right in the middle of where Jesus wants us to be. We're right in the middle of where Jesus can show up. Our setbacks are set ups for Jesus, right? Our setup can, can allow Jesus to turn our water and our life into wine. Our setbacks can turn our, our shame into Jesus's grace, right? Our setbacks can turn away and they can glorify God through what he does in us. Again, if you go back to this wedding story, the master of the banquet said this about the work of Jesus. He says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Listen, because of Jesus, I want you to understand this. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So think about that. Imagine that right now in your moment of despair, in your moment of worry, in your moment of anxiety, right? in your moment of, of panic, in the middle of this coronavirus, in the middle of this toilet paper shortage, the best is yet to come. In the middle of your financial crisis, in the middle of your marriage problems, in the middle of your relationships problems, in the middle of your work issues, in the middle of your addiction, the best is yet to come because of Jesus. And because the truth is, it's not the absence of problems that makes the difference, but rather it's the presence of Jesus. And we all can have the presence of Jesus. Right? And think about this for a moment. Imagine if Jesus walked this earth and there were no problems. Right? It's an interesting thought. If we walked this earth and there were no problems, listen, he wouldn't have needed to die on a cross. Right? He wouldn't have needed to pay the penalty for our problems, for our sin. And there would have been no need for miracles. I mean, think about it. What if Jesus walked into town saying, hey, is there any sick people here? And everybody's like, nope, there's no sick people here. Think a lot of what Jesus did and a lot of Jesus, what Jesus had done would have never actually been done. Listen, without problems, we can't see the full extent of Christ's power. In fact, it's in our weakness 
that Christ's power shines through. It's in our weakness that Christ's power shines the brightest. Right? When we're at the end of ourself, this is where Christ's power is truly seen. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more God gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And Christ's power rests in our weakness. Christ's power rests in our setbacks. It rests in our problems. Listen, we don't need the absence of problems. We don't need to fear problems. What we need is we need the presence of Jesus. And a problem and a setback welcomes him in better than anything else. Listen, you can't have a miracle without a problem. And our setback is just a set up for Jesus. And here's how we experience it. Here's how we live it out. Number one, we have to invite Jesus into our situation. Invite Jesus in to your situation. Invite Jesus into our situation. Again, if you go back to verse two in this passage of scripture, we see that Jesus was at the wedding. And why? It's because he was invited. Right? Because he was invited. I mean, check it out again. Says, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Right? Jesus was invited to the, pro- to the party. Right? And not only that, Jesus was then invited to the problem as well. And if you look at it again, Jesus' mother was the one that invited him to the problem. Verse 3 says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And Mary, Jesus' mother, invited him to perform a miracle for this specific problem. And we need to do the same in our life. We need to invite him in to our situation. Let me ask you, let me ask you, how many of you have invited Jesus into your situation? For some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, Jesus isn't even at the wedding. And for some of us, Jesus isn't even at the party. Meaning this, meaning that we haven't invited him into our lives. And for some of us, that's where we need to start. We need to invite Jesus into our life. Again, at the end of every message, I give you an opportunity. I give you an opportunity to check mark a box if you're in service here that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Let's listen, if you're online today, what we want to do is we want to challenge you. Maybe for you, that's your commitment. Listen, go ahead and make it public and say, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. If that's you, listen, we want you to do that. And then we want to celebrate that as well because you're inviting Jesus in to your life. And then not only go public with that on a, on a message, but we actually celebrate baptisms, right? We were going to have a baptism day, but we're going to postpone it. And we've got baptisms coming up soon. And if you've never been baptized before, what that is, it's a public declaration that you're inviting Jesus into your life. And it's a celebration. It's a celebration and it's the first step of obedience and following Listen, if that's you and that's where you are, we want to challenge you to invite him into your life. Listen, for some of us, maybe we've invited him into our life. Maybe he's at the wedding. Maybe he's at the party, but we've actually never invited him to the problem, right? Like Jesus is there and we're just frantically trying to work through things, trying to figure things out by ourselves. And the truth is, it's not going very well. And Jesus is just there thinking like, man, I got a little bit more power. Again, Mary knew what Jesus could do. If we only knew what Jesus could do, we'd invite him more into our problems. And listen, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us today to invite him into our problems. Listen, for some of us, we might be panicking with everything that's going on on the news, with everything that's going on around us. And we've been planning things, right? We were the ones out in the grocery store. We're the ones that are locked down. We're the ones that have figured all these things out. Let me ask you, have you prayed about it yet? Have you invited Jesus into the situation yet? For some of us, this is what we're doing with our marriage. We're trying to fix it. We're trying to fix our marriage without allowing Jesus to fix us first. And for some of us, this is what we're doing with our finances. And for some of us, this is what we're doing with our kids, right? with our addiction. But we've never invited Jesus in. I want to challenge you. Invite Jesus in. When's the last time 
that you stop and ask Jesus, you know what, come in. Lord, I need you to fix this problem. I need you to fix this situation. I need your help, Jesus, because I made a mess of this and I'm only making more of a mess. And I need what you can do and what only you can do. And when's the last time you said, Jesus, I give you my children. I give you my wife. I give you my, I give you my finances. And I, I give you my workplace. I give you my career. I give you my addiction. Listen, I want to challenge you. Get to that point. Invite Jesus into your life. Invite Jesus into your problems. Invite Jesus into your situation. And then number two, respond with obedience. Respond with obedience. I think there's a lot of times we invite Jesus in. We may even invite him to the problem, but then we continue to try to keep on doing what we've always been doing. We try to keep on working our own solution, right? We, we ignore what he tells us to do. Listen, we need to invite him in and then we need to respond with obedience. Again, if you look at the servants, they responded with obedience. Verse 8, it says, Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And check this out. They did so. We need to become people that can only be described as people that they did so. We need to become people of obedience. If you look at it, the servants, they didn't argue. They didn't work their own plan. They did what Jesus told them. Even though it didn't seem normal. Right? Even though they didn't fully understand it. Even though that they didn't know the water turned into one yet. Even though they didn't know the miracle was in process. Even though they didn't even know a miracle was happening. Right? They still did it. Right? This is some pretty crazy stuff. And we need to become the same. And so here's, what's, here's what I know. Oftentimes, Jesus doesn't follow our timeline. Oftentimes, Jesus doesn't follow our thought process as well. There's a lot of times where he requires our obedience and that might not make sense to us. But listen, we still have to be obedient. See, the truth is he's going to push us. He's going to stretch us. He's going to get us outside our comfort zone. He's going to lead us to a place where we don't feel natural, right? Because he's the supernatural. And when we get out of our natural zone, that's where he's allowed to work and he can do some amazing things in our lives, right? That's who Jesus is, but we have to respond with obedience. For the servants, this took some faith. It took them breaking the norm, but they saw the power of Christ in this. Listen, what's an error in your life where you need a miracle? What's an error in your life where you need Jesus to show up? Let me ask you, what would it look like if you responded with obedience? Listen, imagine how different your life would look if you responded with obedience. I believe that for many of us, I believe that we're one act of obedience away from a miracle. I believe that we're one act of obedience away from seeing God do what only He can do. I believe that we're one act of obedience away from watching Jesus do an incredible work in our life. And he's waiting for us to take action first. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we don't fully understand what's going on. Will you trust and obey? That's an obedience is action. If you look at it again, the servants, they had to take action. And Jesus did the miracle through their action. Their obedience, their action set things in the motion, right? Their obedience and their actions set things in motion. I believe Jesus wants to set some things to, into motion in our life as well, and he's asking us to obey. Let me ask you, what's your action step? What's your step of obedience? Many of us, you're probably right there at home watching, and you already know. Right? God's been talking to you. He's been pushing you. It's that thing that you may feel a little uncomfortable with. It's that thing that may be outside your comfort zone. It's that thing that may not feel natural. Listen, I want to challenge you. Obey. And for you, maybe it's forgiving somebody. We talked about forgiveness last week. Maybe for you, 
It's forgiving somebody. And so maybe for you, maybe it's opening up to somebody that you trust about your addiction and getting real and finding help. Right? Maybe for you, it's in your finances and it's actually putting a budget together. Listen, maybe for you, it's stepping outside of your bubble and serving others outside in this community. What's your step of obedience? So here's the hard truth about obedience. Obedience will always cost us something. Obedience will always cost you something. What it costs is many times the price tag for a miracle. So respond with obedience. And number three, trust Jesus for the miracle. There comes a point where we just need to trust Jesus. Again, the servants at this point, they filled the, filled the, the, the jars up with water. Right? They responded with obedience. They took the, the jars to the banquet master and they were just trusting Jesus that he was going to do what he said he was going to do. And here's what happened. The water turned into wine. And not only just regular old wine, but it turned into the best wine. That's what trusting Jesus can do. That's what I want to challenge you today, to trust Jesus for the miracle. Which means this. It means that we realize that we can only do so much. And at some point, we have to sit back and let God be God. Right? We need to sit back and relax. Right? Proverbs says it this way in Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Is there an area in your life where you need to quit leaning on your understanding? Is there an area in your life where you need to quit leaning on your understanding? Maybe it's with this coronavirus. Listen, maybe you need to quit Googling things for a while. Maybe you need to quit researching so much. I would say this, keep washing your hands, but maybe you need to quit researching so much and trust God. Maybe you need to quit freaking out. Maybe you need to quit causing panic around others, right? And trust in God. Maybe for you, maybe it's with your family. And maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your work. Maybe you need to quit trying to fix the problem. And again, trust God. Trust Jesus for the miracle, right? Because here's the truth. He will come through. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect. And it's made perfect in our weakness. So trust Him for the miracle. Right? Our setback is a set up for Jesus. So if you're listening today, if you're listening today and you're here with a setback, if you're here, you're scared, you have some fear, you're worried about what's to come, if you're worried about a disappointment to come, I want to let you know you're in a good place. You're in a good place. Because what it is? Jesus is setting you up to show you what only he can do. I want to challenge you. Invite him in. Invite him into the situation. Respond with obedience. And then trust him for the miracle. And so what I want to do right now as we begin to close, I want to challenge you. If you're here today, and for you, maybe your first step is inviting him in. I want you to actually just leave a comment on Facebook and say, hey, I want to invite Jesus into my life. I want to make a decision for you. If that's you, Make a comment. Maybe you're not to that point yet, but maybe you just need to hit the like button. Listen, that's good too. Take a step forward. Maybe you're here today, and maybe for you, you need to respond with obedience. Listen, I challenge you to tell somebody. Maybe it's even writing in the comments. Maybe it's telling somebody, telling your family member, say, hey, this is what, this is what God's asking me to do. Maybe for you, maybe it's just trusting. Whatever it is, I challenge you to take the next step. Take the next step. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you 
to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week. Thank you.